In order to begin, I want to ask you to think about an event, a memory in your brain that you, that you have over there. Something, an event that changed, that changed your life. Something that, that you went through that is meaningful, it's significant in your life. Don't worry, you, you won't have to share it. That is just for you. Go ahead and think about, of that. Like I said, a memory, something that we have assigned a high value in our memories. Got it? Okay, keep it there. I'm going to come back to that. Because in the same way, we have other memories. And with all the needed respect, I want to show you some dates. So when you see that date, I'm sure something steers within ourselves, right? If you don't know that date, well, this might help you. We, sell it, we commemorate that date a few days ago, and you saw in uh, social media uh, a lot of this post, we will never forget. How about this other, this other date? You remember that day? Do you know what that is? Does this help? That's the USS Arizona, a monument so that we can remember the attack on Pearl Harbor. So as Americans, these dates, when we see them, something steers within ourselves, something switched, something changed within us. And if you ask, if you share these dates with somebody who is not an American, at the very core of their humanity, something also feels within themselves. Because in any context, taking the life of another human being is not right in any context. Right? So how about this next one? Do we know that? How about if I help you a little bit? That's the monument for the Holocaust in Berlin. Again, keep your memory, keep these memories in your mind. I'm going to come back to all of those. However, as Christians, and by that I only mean followers of Christ, that's what we are, amen? I would like to share a story so that you can also remember through this story. And by doing that, I'm going to use the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 7. They'll be there on the screen, and the Word of God reads in this way, Verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while that person was governor of Syria. I'm not even going to try to read that. How about that? And everyone went to their own towns to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, 
the town of David. Because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So based on the music, on the hymns we sang earlier today, and based on this scripture, I'm sure some of you are probably thinking, oh, I think the pastor kind of messed up his calendar because it's not Christmas yet. Or you, feel, you felt like when you walk into Home Depot and you see all the Christmas trees already there. Like, but not really. I just wanted you to remember, to give you another historical event that I want you to remember. But not just, just a historical event, but a life-changing, significant event in the story of humanity. So in order to do that, I want to give you a couple of theological points in that text. And by theological, which is a churchy word only to mean, only to say the knowledge of God, since we're reflecting on that, I want to give you a couple of points. In order to do that, I want to ask you a couple of questions again. How many times did it took you to did it take you to think about that memory that I asked you in the beginning? Did it take you a long time? Or it just popped in your head, like changing life, right? It could be good or it could be a bad event. I don't know. Now, based on that, do you remember how many times have you shared that story? based on your face, I will say probably a lot of times. That's why it's easy to remember. How long ago did it happen? Did it happen a long time ago? Reason, fairly reason? Now, the reason that I, that I have you thinking about all these memories and I show you all these, these dates is so that you understand and that you realize that these memories actually shape who we are. In my case, uh, I picked the birth of my daughters. I remember like yesterday when I saw them coming out of the OR with tubes all over their bodies and on uh, incubators, seven months old. Life changing. However, it doesn't matter. As time goes by, we tend to forget details of that day. Especially when 50 years go by, 100 years go by, and more years go by. 
When such a long time goes by, it is inevitable to have somebody asking, did that really happen? Right? It's all over the internet. Did Jesus really was born? Did the Holocaust really happen? Give it a little bit of time and they might say, did 9-11 really happen? That's why we have those memorials, those places, those monuments, so that we can remember, so that we can see something and remember. And how about the birth of Christ? Why do we want to remember that? Well, as God was shaping what it was going to be the people of God, he told Moses on Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So I guess God was right. We need to remember. We need to think about those things. Like I said, those memories shape our identity. When my daughters were of age to go uh, to, school, to school, I wasn't Josiah Garcia or Dr. Garcia, as people knew me over there. I was the dad of the twins. You see how that event shaped my identity? And it also it shaped my identity because when I had them, I became a dad. And a lot of things changed in my life. In the same way, as followers of Christ, that event shapes our identity. It, it gives meaning of who we are. So the reason that I want to bring that today is because in a few days we will have a massive opportunity to help people remember this amazing story. Here in our own backyard, we have this astonishing team of people who come together to plan, to build, and participate in this first-class massive production that we call Bethlehem Revisit. It allows thousands, literally thousands of people to remember this important story. Now, I hope that you understand that when I say this, uh, when I talk about this astonishing team of people, I'm looking at them. Right? Amen? We are those people. We are the answer of our own prayers so that we can help, like I said, people remember. Hence the reason why it's called Bethlehem Revisit. We help other people to remember what it was like a day like that when Jesus was born. So we remember. Now remembering, having memory of those things is good. When we see pictures, right, we kind of live again those days. Now, there's got to be a more meaning, a more deep result than just remembering that. And so from that text, 
I want to point at least two things that I want you to take with you. And if you don't remember absolutely anything from what I said this morning, when you leave that door, please at least remember this. Because when we read that story, we know that, number one, God was at work in that moment. But God is at work today. And God is at work tomorrow. Amen? So please remember that. And how do I know that? Well, the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, gives us this prophecy that reads in this way, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from all, from of all, from ancient times. Now, do you understand that this prophecy was written eight centuries before it happened? Eight centuries before it happened. The Romans had the ability, had the power to ask for a census, ask for a raise or taxes, ask for whatever they wanted at any time they wanted. And yet, it happened right on the precise moment. As I said, as a, as a father of premature babies, I know that if a premature baby were to be born in that time, it wouldn't probably survive because there was not enough means to care for a premature. So I figured Jesus had to be a term. So there was only a three-month window so that he could be viable to be alive. So was it just a coincidence that that happened at that time? Did it happen just by chance? Or was it really divine intervention eight centuries before it happened. So please hear this. God is at work in your life even when it seems He is absent. Even when it seems He's not even nowhere close to be found. He is working in your life. So point number one, He is always working even when you can't see it. Number two, did you notice, did you notice where was this ruler born? So I have to wonder, what, what kind of ruler is he going to be? What kind of ruler is he talking about? There's a story about a king who once said, Today, I'm going to destroy all my enemies. So the next morning, everybody was alive. Everyone was alive. And they asked the king, so what happened with what you said yesterday? To what he responded, I have destroyed my enemies. By doing good to them, I have made them my friends. 
Can you see how when we change our point of view, transformation happens? We don't make peace with our enemies, with our friends, I'm sorry. We make peace with our enemies, right? What good is it if I'm praised to love those who love me? Somebody said, well, that's kind of difficult. Well, nobody said it was easy. But it can be done. Because this ruler is God's beginning quest toward forgiveness for all people. And by all, I mean all. You and me. So when I say these things, I wonder if you wonder if this is some kind of weak ruler which only neglects to judge evil. And I can try to explain you how does that work, but I'm going to let Desmond Tutu explain it better than the way I can when he says, Forgiveness does not mean to condone what has been done. Forgiving means abandoning your right to pay back the perpetrator in his own coin. Isn't that what the Lord does to us? Isn't that what we receive from him? Because I receive what I don't deserve. Because if I receive what I deserve, what? I, will, I wouldn't probably be here, I can tell you that. Not probably, I'm sure. Did you notice that in the story it says that he was born in a manger? So I have to ask, what kind of ruler comes to rule and is born in a place like that? So I have to tell you, only one whose humility reveals his character. Amen is right. So I have to ask you, what does your behavior reveal of your character. Especially in a place like this that we say we love first. Does my behavior really reflect that? Does that reflect the character of God that it's supposed to leave in me? The first step toward forgiveness is humility. We or you cannot be forgiven from a position of pride. You have to be humble enough to know when you need to be forgiven as much as when you need to forgive. Let me explain you that. Have you noticed how a child behaves when he's done something bad? He comes to you like this, right? Humble. How do we act when we think that we, are that we are entitled for somebody to forgive us? Because they've done harm to us. I deserve your apology. We come from a place of pride. But Jesus says, first step to forgiveness is humility. So number one, God is at work in your lives every day, even when you can see it. Number two, God yearns to forgive you and to have communion with you today. Amen?
Today, it's uh, what we call World Communion Sunday, hence all the flags that we have here. Because today, together with thousands of thousands of people around the world, we're taking communion together in unity. As brothers and sisters separated only by geography, and maybe language and customs. But I have to bring this to the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. When that moment came and he says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, I have to ponder on that word covenant, the new covenant. Do you understand the difference between a contract and a covenant? I asked somebody, I said, a contract is written in paper. I said, yes, you're right. But it's not that what I'm talking about. A contract is written based on mutual distrust. You write a contract in case the other party fail to fulfill what is agreed upon. If you don't pay your rent, you have three days or 30 days or 60 days to leave premises. In other words, a contract is done so that if you fail to fulfill what is agreed upon, it gets void. No. Zero. Done. Relationship is broken. But a covenant says, regardless of your inability to fulfill the agreement, my part still stands. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what the Lord does with us every day? Regardless of my inability to fulfill what I've agreed, he says, I'm here with my arms open, ready to receive you, ready to forgive you, ready to have communion with you. So we remember. That's the reason why we remember. That's the reason why this is important. So that we acknowledge God's desire to forgive us. And what does the scripture say? Because we cannot ask for forgiveness unless we forgive also. And we participate or we receive the gift of God in communion. We receive of His grace that we so desperately need. Amen? Este é o meu corpo que é dado por vós. 
faz isso em memória de mim. Semelhantemente, depois da ceia, tomou o cálice, dizendo, Este é o cálice, é o novo pacto em meu sangue, que é derramado por ti. Bebei em memória de mim. Dies ist das Leib Christi gegeben für sie. Toya Christa, Bila Protebe, Slomene. Ito ang aking katawan na ibinigay para sa inyo. Inkeu o para Christi. Korewa, anatagata no tamini nagasareta, Kiristo sama no chides. Esa es la sangre de Cristo derramada por ti. Ang sarong ito ay ang bagong tipan ng aking dugo na ibinohos para sa inyo. Bebeu em memória de mim. Faites ceci en mémoire de moi. This is the body of Christ broken for us. This is the blood of Christ shed for all of us. So Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Acknowledging, Father, how much we need to be forgiven. Allow us, Lord, to be people of change. Allow us, Lord, to be more like you and less like us in a world that so desperately needs you. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Make this bread and this juice be for us the representation of your body and your blood shed in the cross. Allow us, Lord, really to understand what it means to love first as you did with us. So we pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe in an open table, so you're all invited to participate of this gift. You will receive a piece of bread that you can dip in the cup and receive the grace of God. If at any time you need to come and kneel, that's what is this altar for. So you're welcome to do it.